Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. Buddy Walls. Today I would like to talk to you about how we are in war. We, the church, are in a, a war today. It is not a war where we use guns and ammo, but a war of ideologies or worldviews. We are familiar with how we train. Uh, we are to train for military combat for the freedom and rights of this country. We are members of the so-called born-again believers and followers of Jesus Christ. We are supposed to be defending the gospel of Jesus Christ and the biblical principles this country was founded on. Our country has been through a lot of physical, terrible wars, and a lot of our people have paid the ultimate price for the freedoms we have today. We survived those wars, but not without real damage. But our current war, a war of worldviews, is a war for the very heart and soul of this nation. And if we lose this war, we lose America. That is what is at stake. We need to uh, reflect on a bit of Israel's past. Why do we need to reflect on a bit of Israel's past? So we can see how God is on his accurate time scale and how that affects America and the work we are supposed to do, be doing for the Lord. We, the Lord's children, are soldiers for Christ. We are in the Lord's army. Being in the Lord's army, it needs to be similar to how we use those tactics today. In the military, before they go to battle, they sit down and do a briefing. It's called a five-paragraph order. Let's look at our three of them. What is our situation? What is our mission? How are we going to execute this mission for nothing less than victory? Now, a lot of folks could care less. They ho-hum along being very slack in their regard, and, and wherever the cards fall is fine with them as long as they are comfortable in their routine and comfort zone. This is the majority of the world. Black in their regard. Regard of what? Regard for the spiritual lives being lost in America today. They are called our youth. They are being stolen from us. How can we battle that? By recognizing that God has shown us through Israel's past and his timetable for how that corresponds to our future and where he expects us to do in the future time frame. All of the Bible explains in the context of his time frames, from prophecy standpoint, would take years. Let me give you one small example. There was a visionary for Israel one time by the name of Theodore Herzl. He gathered a group of men together one time called the First Zionist Congress to attempt to gather the nation of Israel. At the end of his meeting, he said this, the world will know it 50 years from this date. Why did he say that? Because he recognized throughout Israel's history, God's timetable of a jubilee year being 50 years meant restoration. The world, he thought, would recognize that 50 years from that date, which was the first Zionist Congress until the nation of Israel would be established. The nation of Israel was established exactly 50 years after 1897 to the day in 1947, his prophecy was fulfilled. This is only one small example of how God works. There were many prophecies in the books of Moses 2,000 years ago 
that have already come true. The Six-Day War in 1967 and Masada. The thing is, God's word is more real than the world is. God's word is more accurate and truthful than anything of this world. And everything is on his time scale. He knows as the beginning from the end. He knows our situation today. And he also knows he has soldiers uh, who he expects us to go to battle. What situation are we in with the youth? We're being told by the public education system, universities, the news media, and unfortunately many church leaders, parts of the Bible are not relevant anymore and we need to reinvent God's word. Did you know that 16,000 pastors currently believe evolution over creation? The devil is attacking the church in these last days. We have a shortage overall of the sound, fundamental, Bible-believing teachers and preachers. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23 says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified, and to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. Notice preaching the cross and the resurrection to the Jews was a stumbling block. But look at the second part of that verse. Why the difference? If we don't understand this difference, you're not going to know how to fight this battle. Why the difference? In Acts chapter 2, Peter is preaching to the Jews, and he preaches the cross and the resurrection. But they only call it a stumbling block. Why? Because the Jews had a common foundation and a common background. They believed in Moses and the prophets. They understood that there was a creator God, so it was just a stumbling block. But when Paul preaches the cross and the resurrection to the Greeks, they see it as foolishness. Why? Because they do not understand Moses and the prophets and they don't believe in a creator God. So what does Paul do? He goes back and lays the foundation that our God is greater. There's a foundation to our gospel and we forget about that. Many of the people in our churches and some of our Christian leaders do not believe the foundation anymore. They are even trying to rewrite it we need to understand that. We are no longer uh, an Acts chapter 2 nation. Rather, we're in Acts chapter 17 nation because our youth are not being taught about a greater God anymore. Where do churches stand today? They avoid controversial topics such as creation, sin, hell, and marriage. It's called soft preaching. I don't ever remember Jesus doing that. They let the culture influence the church rather than church influence the culture with the gospel. They make church growth their main goal rather than the Great Commission. I'm not referring to this church, but we no longer have teachers in our churches, even many in many of our schools, who possess the knowledge to equip our group, our youth, about how to defend their faith. Christianity is in a lot of trouble. Most churches are not teaching Creator God, but instead they are receiving evolution from the school system. Evolution is a complete lie that society and the public are uneducated about. Our society is about being tolerant and don't offend, and most people and most youth have a greater desire to go along with the world so they will be acceptable instead of learning to defend the faith which the job of the 
church is lacking. Church leaders need to teach our youth to defend the faith. A poll was recently taken, and 60% of the youth are leaving the church. We have a job to do. With this bad news, God expects us to get to work. He expects his soldiers to buckle up and defend the faith. Did you know this is one of the greatest times in history to do more for the youth than any other time? Let me explain why. Recently, there has been an explosion of conservative federal judges appointed, which will affect the outcome for generations. These are lifetime judges. Can you imagine a day when the general public will not have a problem uh, with Bibles in the schools and in our courthouses? That day is coming soon. They are already allowing Bibles back in school. Now, the leaders of the church have to kick it in gear. Get rid of the soft preaching and teach the church about creation, sin, the sexes, and all the rest of the controversial topics because there are people seeking the truth. People have a desire for truth when the world is feeding them lies. We have to put our big boy pants on and go to work like never before. We are to work for the Lord until he returns, which is sooner than later. God's time clock is ticking. Are we going to ride this train to the end and put as many passengers on board as we can? Or are we going to lazily float along in our routine and our comfort zone and let someone else do it? We need ambassadors for Christ. We need teachers for Christ. We have much work to do until the Lord returns. The devil is sly. The devil is smart. The devil is wicked. He is attempting through the education system, I'm talking high school and universities, to out-educate the church. I've got news for you. He cannot outsmart God. God wins. The devil loses. He's been trying for centuries. The church is going to have to stand fast, especially in these end times, because the devil is moving 100 miles an hour as a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour, and the church is moving 20 miles an hour in their materialistic comfort zone, while the young and old alike are seeking truth and finding the majority of their answers from a lost and dying world. We need more godly preachers and teachers of God's truth. I appreciate the ones we have, but we need more. And these need to be men educated the biblical way, not the secular way, you know, of the world. Allow me to share what is happening around the country today. We're teaching heavy on tolerance. In other words, accept any and all views except the Christianity biblical view. Here's where the church as a whole falls short. They have apathy. They have a lack of discernment in the church due to a lack of good teaching. They have a lack of strong biblical teachers who hold to the authority of the scripture in our churches and Christian universities. They have a willingness to compromise, to compromise in order to get along. Today, Christianity is under great pressure to conform to the world. The church is outnumbered, surrounded, and outfinanced. There is also much compromise and false teaching within the church. This is not a time to have a woe-is-me attitude. This is a time of great opportunity. Being surrounded gives Christians the advantage of being able to advance in any direction with the good news of the gospel. 
I want to read you 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. 1 Corinthians 1, 8 says this. Who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. We, church, need to be blameless in the day of our Lord when he returns. We need to attempt to our utmost to battle the wrongs and with biblical cor correction. The Lord needs to find us blameless, not comfortable. If you're biblically, biblically comfortable, you're in the wrong. We are to be warriors for Jesus Christ. That day is coming when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess whether they want to or not. We are to be about our Father's business until he returns. You'll have an eternity to reap the rewards. Let's read some Bible verses that show us what we have to look forward to if we remain steadfast in the work for the Lord, no matter the attacks against us. I'm going to start reading in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible says, The elders were among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom steadfast resist, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in all brethren that are in the world. But the grace, but the God of all grace, who hath called us into His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Our hope, our future, and everything about us in Christ Jesus alone, even though we have to suffer a while, it will be eternally worth it. Hope you enjoyed this, and we'll catch you somewhere down the road. Dr. Buddy Walls, signing off.